This is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN+. Plus. Dan Grasso in for Greeny right here on 98.7 ESPN. Another 60 minutes to play with. We're taking it right up until Barton Hahn at noon. 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number. Remember, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. A lot of baseball in hour number one. Yankees, Mets. So now we'll segue into the football as we already now turn the page. And it is... Wednesday, going into week number four, if you can believe it, in the National Football League. And both the football locals coming off of defeats for the first time this season, at least both of them on the same weekend. Giants losing their first game on Monday night to the Cowboys. Jets unable to make it back-to-back Ws as they fell short to the Cincinnati Bengals at MetLife Stadium. And by the way, before we get into it, let me remind you that the ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate is coming October the 9th, and everyone is welcome. We'll have a pregame celebration in Lot G before the Jets take on Miami with all your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts. Plus, you get tailgate games, prize giveaways, and live music from Randy Zoo. Listen to DiPietro and Rothenberg in the morning and the Michael K. Show in the afternoon all this week for your chance to score premium suite tickets and VIP tailgate passes. The Ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate is brought to you by Guinness, Pepsi, and 98.7 ESPN. Now, the question we got to ask ourselves is, what's the Jets' record going to be going into that October the 9th showdown with the Miami Dolphins and the ESPN tailgate and the great day that it's going to be? Are they going to be one and three, losers of two straight, or are they going to be two and two? Getting that split in the first four games, which, you know, I, I've said all along before it even started that if you could get at least two. Of the first four against the AFC North to begin the season, I think you take that if you're the Jets. You sign up for that. But the task is going to be a little bit harder, is it not? Because now you're looking at an offensive line, which to say that it's underperformed so far in the first few weeks of the season might be putting it mildly, ever so slightly. And now you're even thinner because George Fant, who were one of the guys that, if you're the Jets, you counted on this year especially given the uncertain nature with Mekhi Becton and his injury status. Say, well, at least you got George Fant on the other side to hold things down for you. You know, Fant was going to be the left tackle. Becton was going to be the right tackle. Becton gets hurt. Then they sign Dwayne Brown. George Fant kicks back to right tackle. Dwayne Brown's your left tackle. And oh, by the way, now Dwayne Brown's hurt. Okay, George Fant, move back to left tackle. Fine. Max Mitchell, yeah, you're a rookie. You weren't supposed to play this year at all. Uh, You're our new right tackle. Congratulations. Okay, so they did that for a few weeks. Now George Fant's hurt, and you're going to throw Connor McDermott in at left tackle. Connor McDermott, by the way, who was on the practice squad at the end of training camp. Didn't even make the big roster. And George Fant goes on IR, and he's going to be out for the next four weeks. So right now, your two starting tackles were essentially guys... That when this whole thing started, we're no better than fourth and fifth on your depth chart at the tackle position. And that is in all probability what the lineup is going to look like on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, thankfully, thankfully, Pittsburgh's defense does not feature the likes of, you know, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, and more importantly, T.J. Watt on Sunday. Because if T.J. Watt was playing this week 
and you were going to have those two guys at the tackle positions, you kind of figured that maybe T.J. Watt was in the early running to maybe be the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Because, oh, by the way, Trey Hendrickson was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, for this past weekend, the Bengals defensive end, who rang up two and a half sacks on Sunday against that Jet offensive line. And it probably could have got ugly on Sunday, too. So that's the only little bit of saving grace here, is that Pittsburgh's defense is not what it could be. But it's still going to be problematic. Pittsburgh is still going to try to scheme the heck out of you, and they're still going to try to confuse a quarterback because they have all of these exotic blitzes, and they throw you one look, and then they execute something completely different. But what Pittsburgh is going to have to do here, and more importantly, what the Jets are going to have to do, is not try to get caught up in the history and not try to get caught up in the fact that, okay, that's Pittsburgh. They got all those Lombardi trophies. You know, it's a winning, rich, tradition organization. They're well-coached. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in all of his years on the sidelines. That stuff isn't going to have to come into play, though, on Sunday because what the Jets are going to have to focus on, more importantly, is just going out there and playing good football. Don't matter who's lined up on the other side, because this Steelers team, despite all the tradition and despite all the past history, this is not the same Steelers team. This is a, how can I put this, probably a transition season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mitchell Trubisky is their quarterback. It's not Bradshaw, it's not Roethlisberger. Mitchell Trubisky is a guy who, lucky to be a starter right now. Let's put it, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind. He's lucky to have a starting job. And that job is tenuous at best right now because you know that everybody in Steeler Nation is just waiting with bated breath before they hand over the reins to Kenny Pickett, their first-round draft choice. Now, that could come as early as this Sunday, right? I mean, what happens if the Steelers go out there and stink it up in the first half of the game and the Jet defense has all the answers for what Pittsburgh is doing offensively and then Kenny Pickett comes in from the sidelines? Jet fans are going to be having, like, Baker Mayfield flashbacks. From 2018, remember that Thursday night game against the Browns where the Jets were in control that game? Tyrod Taylor was still the Browns' starting quarterback, and then they remove him because they couldn't get anything going, and they finally stick the rookie in there in Baker Mayfield, and he rallies him to a victory over the Jets. Regardless of who the quarterback is on Sunday, Jets just have to play a cleaner game. Offensive line, despite the fact that they're diminished right now, you know what? Find ways to make it work. Coaches, if you know that you're compromised at a couple of those positions, devise a game plan that maybe is going to minimize the weaknesses that you have on your offensive line. You know, get the screen game, the screen game going. You got a couple of running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and Michael Carter and Brees Hall. You got a couple of wide receivers, i.e. Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, guys who you throw these little slip screens to, bubble screens who you can maybe churn out some yardage. You know, keep the defense on their toes and don't ask your tackles to do as much as maybe you would guys that you trust and guys who are veterans. I mean, that's just not fair. I know that my partner Greg Buttle disagrees with this wholeheartedly, but you know what? Given the nature of this line and the way it is right now, it might not be the worst thing in the world to run the damn football a little bit longer and stick with it as opposed to the way they've been featuring it the last couple of weeks. Because offensively, I think that they have gotten away from that run game just a tad. I really and truly believe that. You know, I know that you're falling behind in games, and maybe that panic sets in a little bit to where, oh, we got to throw the football, got to throw the football to get back. I mean, look how many times the Jets have thrown the ball this year. You know, I mean, 
if I would have said to you back in the summertime, before we ever had any sort of an idea that Joe Flacco would be starting the season at quarterback for the Jets the first three weeks, if I would have said to you the leader in pass attempts in the NFL three weeks into the season was going to be Joe Flacco, and not even just by a little bit, by a wide margin, you would have thought I was crazy. You would have thought I should have been in a room with padded walls. Joe Flacco? I mean, by contrast, look at what the Bears are doing to Justin Fields, who the Giants are going to see this week. Bears don't trust Justin Fields at all, and they don't even let him throw the ball. Justin Fields has thrown the ball 45 times in three games. Think about that. 45. Joe Flacco's thrown it 155 times. And where's that gotten the Jets? But when you're trailing in these football games, and when you're down by multiple scores, and when you have to play catch-up, unfortunately, that's what you have to resort to. You know what the problem is, though? The Jets are not designed to be a quick-strike offense. The Jets are not designed to be a team that should be throwing the ball that frequently, and especially with this guy at quarterback. No knock on Joe Flacco, but that's just reality. And the other question that's about to get answered here, probably within the next half hour, is whether or not Joe Flacco is going to be the quarterback on Sunday. And I would say that that's a pretty big question, no? All indications are that Zach Wilson is expected to return under center and to return into the starting lineup. And if that's the case, now you can start this season. And now you can start this evaluation because make no mistake about it, the Jets are only going to go as far as Zach Wilson takes them. And that's what the rest of this season needs to be about. Whether or not number two is going to be the long-term solution. That's what the Jets need to know. And there's some people out there who think that, oh, well, you know, given the way the offensive line is right now with all these injuries, you don't want to stick Zach Wilson back in there now, coming back from an injury. That's not fair to him. He's not going to be as effective. I I mean, guys, it's football. What are we waiting for otherwise? if, If Zach Wilson's cleared by the doctors, he's got to play. Why would you want to run Joe Flacco out there again? What does Joe Flacco playing do for this franchise in the long term? Really? I mean, let's just say, and and I'm just spitballing here. If I say the Jets win nine games this year, somehow sneak into the playoffs as a wild card, but yet Joe Flacco's the quarterback all year, and and they lose in the first game of the playoffs, like, you're going to feel good about that? Because you're going to go into the offseason and go into next year still with no idea whatsoever as to who your franchise quarterback is. Zach Wilson has to play. He's got to play. And not that I have any inside information on it, I would be surprised if he is not the guy. My own personal belief. What say you? Should get definitive word here from the Jets within the next 20 minutes to a half an hour when Robert Sala is set to meet the media. We should get word as to who the quarterback is going to be this week, whether it's going to be Joe Flacco for a fourth consecutive game to start the season, or will it be Zach Wilson, which this was the game that the Jets had targeted before the season started when they announced that he's going to miss at least the first three games. It would be Pittsburgh at the earliest. Well, guess what? It's Pittsburgh, the earliest. Let's see if they get the green light from the doctor. Look, I'm not a doctor. All I can tell you is just watching Zach Wilson warm up on game days at the stadium looks pretty good to me you know if you just like plot me onto this planet from another universe 
And I said, you know, I was watching this guy warm up. I would have thought he was playing that day. So if one man's opinion means anything, I would think that he's all right. Uh, let's go to the phones. Say hi to Christopher. He is in White Plains. He's next up here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Good morning, Dan. How you doing today? Chris, things are great. What's going on? Well, I agree with you 100%. Zach needs to start this game. He, he should be okay if we get the green light. We need to take the reins off him this year, and we need to see what he's capable of doing. The biggest problem I have is with Mike LaFleur and his play calling. I think it's horrendous. And we are not going to be able to tell if they handle him with kid gloves like they did last year. Do you think they handled him with kid gloves last year? Yeah. What did they do for him? Where, where were the calls for him? Where were the deep balls? What did we hear coming out of college? He could throw a deep ball. He's accurate. Everything else. How many times did, did they unleash him and let him throw the ball downfield? Well, Chris, let me ask you a question. Okay, because we're not in the film room. We're not in the huddle. We don't know what play was called. Is that on the play calling or is that on Zach? maybe reluctant to pull the trigger, not trusting his reads, not going through his progressions, and maybe he didn't see guys open down the field. Well, I don't know. I'm not inside his head. Well, that's, what I, that's all I'm saying. I can tell you, you know, if, when you hear him talk, he seems like he's got a high, IQ, high football IQ, and I think this is what, as a fan, this is what I want to see this year. Let's see if he's the guy. Because if he's not, obviously we're not going to the playoffs this year. If there's some chance we happen this weekend, you're talking about one and done. I mean, am I wrong? Well, I mean, Chris, you know what? I think any Jet fan will take, you know, one and done or anything in the playoffs at this point. Let's be, let, 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 you know, walk before you can run, if you know what I'm saying. But thank you for the phone call. Long way to go before you're talking about the playoffs. But again, you know, it's easier said than done. And I understand being in this position, right? We're fans, we're the media, we're not out there playing. But I'll just say, you know, Put yourself in the shoes of a quarterback, right? It's easier said than done. We're saying, well, that guy was open down the field. How did he not see him? Well, if you're sitting in there standing in the, in, in the pocket and you got 300-pound dudes whose sole purpose at that given moment in life is to rip your head off, that kind of clouds your judgment a little bit. And maybe you're not thinking as clearly as you should. And that's the trick of this thing, and that's why you want to get a young quarterback in the game as much and as often as possible so he can maybe work through those things and then deal with the situations better. That's game experience. You can't, you can't simulate that stuff on the practice field. You need the live bullets on Sundays. You can't get that in practice. I mean, you know, the coaches and whatnot, they can, like, hold up a broomstick to, like, distract the quarterback, and he's got to try to throw past that. That, that ain't a game. That ain't like the game. I'll give you another example. There was a play on Sunday in the game against the Bengals where, I don't know if you remember, I can't even remember what quarter it was. Joe Flacco, they, they were in Cincinnati territory, maybe inside the 30-yard line, 25-30-yard line perhaps. Flacco dropped back to pass. The rush was starting to converge on him, and he threw the ball up for grabs but out of the back of the end zone. You know, he threw it out of the end zone to avoid a grounding call because he had to get rid of the football. If you go back and you watch the coach's tape and you pause it on the All-22, on that exact play, Garrett Wilson was running a slant in. 
And I believe it was Elijah Moore was the other wide receiver on the other end of the field who was also coming open towards the inside of the field. He could have had either one of those guys. I mean, there was there was decent enough separation, but he didn't see them. So that's not necessarily play calling. Do you know what I'm saying? And I know that we get into this a lot in the postgame show and a lot of the callers and Greg, especially like they go back and forth about the play calling and debating whether or not, you know, it really and truly is the problem. I mean, the play was called one way. And as I said, like you could see guys open, but if the quarterback doesn't see them and then go someplace else with the football, everybody says, well, what did you do that for? What'd you call that play for? No, the play was called correctly. It just wasn't executed properly. BK in Brooklyn up next. 98.7 ESPN. BK, what's going on? Hey, Dan, what's going on, baby? How you doing? BK, we're doing good. What's on your mind? Hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that you ain't on that other station giving out the shout-outs to uh, Jerry Jones in that Wheaton comment. Looks like he <laughs> finally got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that great? Was that not funny or what? Hey, man, you need to bring that back up. You definitely need to bring That's that a, back We'll bring up. that back one day. That's a classic. That's a good one. Good old Brandon classic. Wheaton. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, but don't bring it back up this year because that's right. Might be the uh, the the hoax of, of of putting us back in that curse. So don't bring it back up. Bring it back up at, at the end of the year if, if that come back. But um, here we go with the uh, Zach Wilson situation. I just think that the Jets are in a good with Hall, uh, Carter, um, Corey Davis coming over there. And uh, you got weapons, you, you know, you got Wilson. And Zach, once he do get back, he just needs to be able to allow for himself the process of getting into his weapons. Because Joe Flacco is not going to be able to get outside of the pocket to be able to throw it all the way downfield to a Wilson or, or, or Corey Davis. So I, I, I must say that, that me being a Cowboys fan and for you Jet fans, don't hold your head down too long because if, if, if he shows any type of glimpse of mobility and being able to uh, be an athlete out there, y'all going to be all right. Y'all going to be all right. And the way this conference is, is, is sizing up, it looks like, you know, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins are trying to take the rounds and the helms away from the New England Patriots. But, uh, you know, I think that this conference is going to be like the NFC East, where it's going to be a, a, a battle for, for the title. With that, Dan, that's all I got for you. I love you like cooked food. Be blessed on purpose. Jay, great to hear from you, my friend. You get back to us. That's our pal Brooklyn Jay. Big Cowboy fan, Jay. So you know that he's happy after what happened on Monday night out there at MetLife Stadium. Here's the thing, though. You know, we got three weeks under our belts. I think we're starting to maybe learn about the rest of the league and all these teams. And we're still trying to figure out our teams here. But just in getting a sense of the league in general. I think probably within the next two, three games, uh, I think we're going to finally get a decent idea as to what this is all about. Like, remember, going into the season, everybody thought the AFC West was going to be like the most lethal division in the entire sport. Well, the Raiders haven't won a game yet. Okay, Josh McDaniels, the boy wonder, is, is not so much of a genius when, you know, he's not calling plays for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady isn't his quarterback. We're figuring that out. The Chargers, once again, proving that, you know, they are individual parts greater than the sum 
and at a head coach in Brandon Staley, who even though he likes to go for it on fourth down every time, even in his own territory and reinvent the wheel, not much of a head coach because I don't know what head coach would keep his star franchise quarterback in there with broken ribs down 28 points in the fourth quarter. But that's neither here nor there. You know, Denver is 2-1 and one because of their defense. The head coach has no idea how to run a game. Russell Wilson's sitting there eating Subway sandwiches and seeming like he forgot how to play football. And Kansas City, they're good. But I don't think they're as dangerous and lethal as they once were, given the pieces that they've missed. So we'll figure this whole thing out. But as far as the divisions go here in the East, I mean, take the AFC East. Miami might be better than we thought. Mike McDaniel might be figuring this thing out here pretty quick. And boy, isn't it funny that sometimes if you hire the right coach, that could make the difference. Ask the Dolphins. Ask the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at what Nick Sirianni's done in two years with the Eagles. Last season, that roster... Philadelphia... They came up to Florham Park last summer to scrimmage the Jets for a couple of days. And I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, boy, they might be in for a long year. They were not all that impressive to me, like hat on hat. And it was a transition season for them. Sirianni, a first-year coach, he makes the playoffs. And now this year, Philadelphia has the look of a team that could go to a Super Bowl. Hiring the right coach matters. And if you're the Giants, you hope you have the right guy. And here in year number two with the Jets, you're probably saying the same thing. You hope you have the right guy. And that's why this season is so important, more so, I think, for the Jets than the Giants, because they're further along in this process. Preseason hockey action last night. Were you all over that, Mr. Anthony Pusick, the hockey fan that you are, and Ray Dinahan, for that matter? Both of you guys are hockey fans. Of course. You watch Little Rangers? Yeah, I watch Little Rangers. First game was better than the second game, but, you know, there's it's preseason. You watch Devil's Islanders, Ray? I did not flip it on, no. I didn't either. Full disclosure, I didn't. I'm, okay. do, I'm doing the show, and I the two things that I had up, I had the, the two baseball games, Mets, Yankees, those were of importance. Preseason hockey, actually, believe it or not, I feel that out of the you know the four major sports, preseason hockey, I think, more closely resembles like the actual product than any of the other sports do. Well, in, in their preseason, Dan, you're fighting for spots. I mean, even in baseball, there's maybe one or two guys that are fighting for a bench, a bench spot at most. Uh, the Rangers probably have a fourth line where there's probably two two spots up for grabs, I'd imagine. Especially a bench spot. Got a lot of young guys. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's exciting for me because I'm, I'm a big hockey fan. I can't imagine anybody else even knew it was happening, but I was excited. No, I mean, you know you can bet on those games, by the way? You can? You can bet on those of games. Of course you can. You can bet on preseason football. You can bet on anything. It's amazing. It's a lot of things you can bet on. That's a very good point. Still waiting word from Florham Park. As to who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Jets coming up on Sunday. There's been no indication. I'm checking in with my sources over there live as we speak. We don't have any white smoke, any black smoke. Nothing is coming out of the the chimney there, indicating one way or the other. Let us say hi to Andy. He is in Bedford. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Andy, how are you? Good morning, guys. Great. How are you? Andy, I am outstanding. Tell me what's on your mind, please. I got to tell you, you almost lost me at preseason hockey, but here I am. Oh, come on, Andy. Give it up for preseason uh, hockey uh, a little, uh, will you? Please, come on. I got to make this point to you, though. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur is awful. Wow. LaFleur continually calls these low-developing plays, asking the quarterback to watch and watch the play develop as he's getting rushed from all sides by our porous offensive line that, God bless Joe Douglas, has tried and tried, unlike Mike McCagnan, for years to fix it. But we're still where we started. Offensive line leaking all over. 
Uh, I like the fact that he picked up two going into uh, whatever this week, next week. But the truth of the matter is, Mike, ball plays that develop fast and get the ball out of the quarterback's hand, whoever the quarterback is. And I'm going to say it, go Strebler. <laughs> I can I, I got to be honest with you. I cannot, and th- Andy, thank you for the phone call. I cannot remember a quarterback, a backup quarterback, if you want to call him whatever, have more of a, a, a cult following in this town in the last, I don't know how many years, probably since Tim Tebow was here, right? That, that, that fans actually think he should play than Chris Drevler. I'll say it again. I love Chris Drevler. I think he's a good dude. Um, talked to him several times during preseason. Loved what he was doing in those games. But hopefully for the last time, regarding Chris Drevler and everybody thinks that he should be the one playing right now, guys, what he did in preseason was against guys who aren't even in the NFL anymore. It might as well have been me out there trying to stop Chris Drevler. All right? And I think that the Jets know that, and 31 other teams know that as well. 31 other teams do. Or else, if they thought he could play and help them win games, they would have picked him up when the Jets released him at the end of camp. Remember? Because that was a thing. All right, here's your uh, breaking news. This is straight from the head coach of the New York Jets. Robert Sala says, Zach Wilson will start on Sunday for the Jets if all goes well this week at practice. He was cleared by the doctors, and he will fully participate in practice. So really not much of a surprise, and I think that that's the right decision. So there you go. And the Jets are now making it uh, official. Zach Wilson medically cleared to play. All goes well. He will start. And I can't imagine things not going well. Although, you know, they do have a big problem out there at uh, the facility at Florham Park. Those lantern flies. Oh, my gosh. It's like it's like the plague when you go out there. It, it really. See, some people in New York don't even know what I'm talking about because they don't have them as bad out here. In Jersey, it is the worst. Google lantern flies. They are incessant. And they have them because out in, you know, the in the, um, you know, the burbs out there where the facility is in Florham Park. I mean, they're just nonstop and they're all over the practice field. They're landing on you left and right. So that, unless the Lanternflies have a problem with Zach Wilson being the quarterback this week, I can't see there being any issue with him being under center again. So there you go. You know, not to say that Joe Flacco was an abject failure in the last three weeks, but I think if you're a Jet fan now, you have a little bit of extra pep in your step going into this game on Sunday. Now your season kind of gets started. Now the evaluation period gets going. And, you know, credit to Joe Flacco that he was able to win one game and that they weren't 0-3 at this point. I know that it was improbable, and I know that it was a miracle that took place in Cleveland, but they still won the game. You still had to execute those throws. They still had to, you know, make sure that everything went according to plan down the stretch. But they won a game. So now if you're Zach Wilson, I mean, think, th- let's, let, let's, let's dream for a little bit. All right? Let's, let's, let's have some fun. Let's allow ourselves and our minds to wander a little bit. What happens if the Jets go into Pittsburgh and win this week with Zach Wilson? What does that mean? Think about how the perception changes. And I know that this isn't the same Pittsburgh Steelers team. And by the way, Jets have not exactly had a track record of success playing in Pittsburgh. Ray Dinahan and I, during the break, we were just going over it. Jets have only won one game ever in Pittsburgh. 
They're one in eight lifetime, and that includes the current stadium they play in and Old Three Rivers Stadium um, before they got into the new place. And that win they had, remember, was in 2010, the year they went to the second championship game under Rex. They won a game in there in December. Brad Smith returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, which got them off and running. Jason Taylor had a sa- Remember Jason Taylor was actually a Jet? Like, you almost forget for that one season. Jason Taylor uh, recorded a safety in that game. He threw Rashard Mendenhall down in the end zone, uh, and they won that game by five, and then only to go back there in January and lose in the AFC championship game. But they got that one win at the very least. So it's still Pittsburgh. It's still the Steelers. They're still a well-coached team, but... If you go in there and you win this week and Zach Wilson plays okay, you're going to feel pretty good. You know, you're going to say, all right, finally, you know, we won a game with our quarterback, the guy who's supposed to be the answer to all of our problems for years to come. And then you're going to come back home next week and you got a Dolphins team waiting for you who is obviously one of your biggest rivals who may or may not still be undefeated by the time they roll into town. And then there's going to be a little bit of extra juice in that building. But you got to temper your expectations, I think, ever so slightly because you can't expect Zach Wilson to go out there on Sunday playing behind two backup tackle. Well, I mean, do we call do we call Max Mitchell a backup tackle at this point? I mean, he's played every snap so far this year. I mean, you like it or not, he's your right tackle. But Connor McDermott, if he's going to be the left tackle, that's a backup. That's a third stringer. But the good news is that maybe the Dwayne Brown is supposedly eligible to come off of the IR after this fourth game. And then he could maybe slide in there at left tackle and you move on from there. But if you think back to Zach Wilson's first game after he was injured last season, the one that they played down in Houston, he was shaky that day. And that was against the crummy Texans, Right. And they had to, you know, pull that game out at the very end. That was in the Austin Walter game who ran for a big touchdown that day. I don't even know where Austin Walter is these days. Hopefully he's playing football someplace. Good story. He had a rice. Um, so you got to be a little bit realistic. But can the Jets go in there and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday? Absolutely they can. And I think that apart from the quarterback who's going to get all the attention, I think that you're probably going to be keeping a watchful eye on this defense because the defense is quite possibly what is going to have to win this game. Defense needs to pick it up. This defense has underperformed this year. And this Steelers team is not a juggernaut offensively. Mitchell Trubisky is the quarterback. All right? They are having a whale of a time trying to move the football. A whale of a time. And what teams are doing against the Steelers is that they are flooding the box, not allowing Najee Harris in that running game to get going, and they're daring Trubisky to beat them over the top with his arm. And obviously, that's not happening. So for a Jets defense, which is needs a confidence boost in the worst way possible and has to try, at the very least, to try to make something happen, This is one of those get-right games, potentially. But when we've been playing as poor as the Jets have, you know what? The Steelers, from an offensive perspective, they might be looking at this game and saying, hey, this is a get-right game for us, too, against this Jets defense. Why would you think otherwise? On the Giants, look, we talked about it a lot last night. You played three games. You know, if you want to take a step back and just look at it logically— This season was not supposed to be about and is not supposed to be about wins and losses for the New York Giants. It's about implementing a culture. 
Brian Dayball putting his stamp on this football team, showing that he can lead 53 guys onto that field each and every week and get them to play hard, get them to be in football games, and then win your fair share of them when it's all said and done. We know that the roster is compromised. It's still a lot of garbage that's left over from Dave Gettleman. We know that. But so far in three games, big picture, they've all been one score. And the Giants have won two out of the three games. And you have a game coming up on Sunday against the Chicago Bears, which is extremely, extremely winnable. Okay, the Bears are not a good football team. The Bears, for all intents and purposes, as we told you earlier, they've got a young quarterback in Justin Fields who the Bears are doing everything possible to betray and to fail and to sabotage. Not that they're doing it intentionally. They just don't know any different. They haven't made moves in the offseason. They didn't make moves in the offseason to help him. He doesn't have a lot of talent around him. And what make matters worse is they don't even trust him enough to go out there and even try to make plays. As we told you, they barely let him throw the football. And that's why if you're asking me what could depend largely on the Giants either winning or losing this game on Sunday, is Leonard Williams going to play? Because he was missed on Monday night, was he not? That run defense took a hit without Leonard Williams in there, and the Cowboys just galloped up and down the field on the Giants. That is the only way that the Chicago Bears are going to be able to move the football on the ground. They can run it pretty good. So if Williams is playing, if Williams is not playing, that could tip the scales for this football game, I think, on Sunday in a big way. Let's try Robert Sala one more time. The latest on the Jet quarterback from the head coach. Zach will be a full participant in practice today. So he received medical plans in his back? Yeah. He'll start on Sunday? If all goes well this week, absolutely, yeah. And what about getting him back into the fold? It's really just exciting for him to, to get back on the football field. It's been six weeks, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that have to go around in terms of making sure that we run an efficient offense uh, from from us as coaches to, to O-line to receivers running routes. Everybody's involved. So it's, it is exciting to get him back out there, but at, at the same time, it's it's not all about Zach. It's making sure that we're executing uh, at, on, on all cylinders like as we should every week. And onward and upward, and we'll see what happens here on Sunday. Um, Um, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. But again, you know, back to the Giants, though, like we were saying, the thing that also kind of clouds this whole picture for them is when you look at what lies ahead, they got a lot of winnable games here on paper. And I know that it's dangerous to play games on paper because it doesn't always play out that way. Like this week with the Bears, Giants are going to be expected to win that game. You know, I mean, the Bears are not a good football team. Giants right now are a three-point favorite. I mean, I don't know if that line is going to move much between now and the end of the week. We'll see. But if the Giants earn that right to even go into a game against the crummy Bears and think that, yeah, they should win and they should take care of business, I don't know. I really and truly don't. Because this could be, you know, on a short week, nonetheless, this could be one of those letdown situations. And the Giants aren't good. I mean, the Giants aren't good enough yet to where you can just expect, oh, yeah, they're going to be the Bears. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bears are looking at this thing the same way. Oh, we could go on the road and win a game against the Giants. Why not? You know, say what you want about Chicago right now and, and, and the way things are. They've somehow managed to win two football games this year. Have they not? You know, they got that first one against San Francisco because it was played in a tsunami, which kind of leveled the playing field. And then they beat the Texans last week, you know. Texans, Bears, Giants, they're all kind of on like that same level, are they not? 
So Chicago probably is pretty confident going into this game this week. But between now and Thanksgiving, there are several opportunities on that schedule for the New York Giants where you say to them, all right, you can win that game. You know, that is not out of the question. When you look at, you know, a trip to Seattle, you got the Texans, you got the Lions, you've got, you know, Washington still two more times on the schedule before it's all said and done. I don't want to put the Jaguar game in there because the Jaguars actually look like, you know what, they might be halfway decent this year for what they did to the Chargers last week. And Jacksonville kind of again showing everybody what indeed happens when you have a real head coach and how things can change like that. Isn't it amazing? You hire Doug Peterson, a guy who's got a Super Bowl ring, and not a Super Bowl ring from like 30 years ago. He's got a Super Bowl ring from like a few years back. He goes down to Jacksonville, and now all of a sudden they look like a competent football team. Trevor Lawrence looks like, oh yeah, that is the guy that was like the best quarterback prospect supposedly in like 25 years. Isn't that amazing? A coach that knows what he's doing, some structure, it is all coming together. And if you're a fan of one of these two locals... I think it's safe to say you're still waiting for the answer to that question. Do you have the right guy? You're looking at that from a coaching perspective, and you're looking at that from a quarterback perspective. And that's a tricky spot to be in, right? To have both and to need both if you're the Jets and the Giants. But that's where you're at right now. 2022 is about gathering information. But you want to have an answer one way or the other definitively. A yes or a no. Because God forbid if you're in a situation like the San Francisco 49ers are going to find themselves in going into next year. Where they gave up the earth, the moon, and the stars to go get Trey Lance in last year's draft. Took him third overall. And they handed over the reins of the offense to him this year. Only for him to suffer an injury. He's out for the rest of the year. So now you're going to go into year number three. With Trey Lance as your so-called quarterback of the future, yet you do not know if he is good or not, whether he can play or not. That's a brutal spot to be in. And if that's why, if you're the Jets, you don't want to have to face that same dilemma with Zach Wilson entering his third year. And certainly with the Giants, it's a little bit more urgent. Because Daniel Jones, you have to make a decision on his future at the end of this season. We pick. Are, are, are we going to franchise him? Are we going to sign him? Are we going to let him walk? We'll find out over the next what fourteen weeks.